I'm your host, Rob Carbone. This is BD4. Episode 240 of BD4. What's happening, everybody? Hope we're doing well. Um, yeah, I'm your host, RJ Carbone. This is episode 240 of the podcast. We're coming up there, man. Be on 250 soon. Soon enough. We'll be hitting 300. I plan on going forever. I'm never going to stop, all right? Alright, no matter if it's a whole bunch of people listening to me, if I get a, you know, a, an episode high of two people listening, what, you know, someday, or if I don't get anybody, I'm going to keep going. Yes, what's happening? What is going on? As I speak, it is a Friday night. April 30th, May 1st. As you're listening to this, it is Saturday, May 1st. But as I'm recording, it's the night before. Um, Technically, it actually just hit midnight. So, it's May 1st. Um, Wow. January, February, March, April. Four months into the year. Already, dude. We are already four months in. That's so, that is so bizarre to me. How, like, it's a cliche as hell. But it's really true. When people say time flies by more and more as you get older. Like, I know you hear that shit all the time. And maybe if you're younger, you're like, yeah, sure, whatever. Whatever. I hear that all the time, dad. But like as I grow older, like it, it it flies. Like last night on the show in episode two thirty nine, when we were talking Yankees, I was discussing how I feel so old because I remember watching Vladimir Guerrero Senior play baseball when I didn't even know there was a junior who existed, and now I'm watching Junior in his third season. <laughs> it's like what the fuck. But time really does fly as you get older. And you're going to find that out once you get into your mid twenty, mid to late 20s. Shit. Pretty soon I'm not even going to be able to say I'm in my mid-20s. I'm 26 now. I just turned 26. Dude, everyone in my life, like who I've grown up with, is so far ahead of me. They're all getting married. They're all moving out. And here the fuck I am. They've all got these... Extraordinary careers, <laughs> and here I am. Oh, great! No, um, yeah, that's that's happening in my life. Um, like I had to help my sister move today a little bit after I, you know, I had some assignments to do for school, but later on earlier tonight I had to help my sister move she moved into a new house and it's a really nice place it's in a really great area nice and quiet next to a school and it just got me thinking wow I need to do something like this soon like I was so jealous like I want to be this I want to be able to have my own house someday my own apartment and live my own life. Yeah. So. Must be easy. Being a millionaire athlete too. I'm here discussing. Talking about millionaire millionaire athletes. And. Um, we're going to discuss the Knicks. Because they have certainly 
play with house money. Get it? How I'm tying those two things together? <laughs> They've been playing with house money all year. You know, they're balling out. And they continue to do their thing. So we're going to touch on the Knicks tonight. Um, I don't want to go too long. If we can keep it under an hour, which is the usual time, I'm going to try to keep it under an hour. But if we can't, we can't. So be it. Um, but that's what I did. I had some assignments to do in the morning. Completed those. And then later, later, damn man. Fucking voice is cracking at 26. And then later on in the day, I, um, fucking helped my sister move. And I just kept thinking to myself, wow. I, I was helping my other sister move out the other week. This week I'm helping my other sister move out. Or move to a different place. She, she's been moved out. But like, yeah, I keep thinking every time I go to these, these new places, my siblings, I'm like, oh wow, I gotta be soon. I gotta be able to live this life. But everybody's going to have their day. That's what my mother told me. So, I'm next, hopefully. Anywho, let's get to it. Let's let's head to our first break. Um, again, hope you guys are doing well. If you haven't yet subscribed to BD4, be sure to subscribe to the podcast right now. You can find BD4 on all your major podcast feeds. You know, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, SoundCloud. You can watch the podcast up on YouTube. Um, yeah, if you want to subscribe to that, be sure to do that. You know, we have a podcast episode, um, I drop episodes every two games as far as the New York Knicks goes. And as far as the Yankees go, I drop episodes after every series. All right. And we also have a blog. So I write up a blog on the Yankees and the Knicks, um, Every game, I recap every game for each of those two teams. So, um, if you want to follow the podcast and subscribe to that, download it, rate us a five star on Apple Podcasts, like us and share us on YouTube, and all that. Do that if you want to subscribe to the blog that I write. Be sure to do that. Called it's my opinion, and if you want to follow me on social media, all that information that I just told you guys, all that stuff. You can find it on my link tree. So if you go to my link tree, which is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. Once again, that is linktr.ee forward slash RJ Carbone. If you go there, that will take you to my site, my link tree site. And, you know, it displays the many different links to the you know, number of things I just told you about. The blog, the podcast, and my social media. Alright. Um, yeah, so I was... Um, and if you haven't checked out episode 239, be sure to do that. Great, great episode. You guys are going to like it. It's on the Yankees um, discussing the series split to the Baltimore Orioles disappointing but they have shown some signs of turning the corner and hopefully tonight was like the big game they can use as their launching pad because they obliterated the Detroit Tigers who if I thought the Orioles were the AAA Norfolk Tides the Tigers are whoever their high A affiliate is I mean they're really they are really horrific they're a bad baseball team the Yankees demolished them 10 nothing. So we're going to talk about that as soon as the Tigers series is over on Sunday night. We will record that episode. That'll be 241. Um, and you got the Yankees in the day game. I love day games, man. The weekend day game, there's nothing better than waking up. And then a few hours later, you get the Yankees to watch. It's so awesome. But don't get me wrong. I love, I love how it's all structured. You got the, the door in the week, you got the 7 o'clock p.m. games, right? That's perfect. You get home from work, school, whatever, a couple hours later maybe, not even, it's the Yankees. You put it on, you enjoy it, you kick back and watch it. On the weekends, you get up maybe a little later than usual, and the game's on just like that. You know, it's great. It's it's a great way to um go about 
your day as a sports fanatic. All right. Yeah. <laughs> I don't want to waste further time. Um, oh. Yeah, Yankee Stadium, City Field, all the outdoor arenas and stadiums and shit like that. 100% opening starting July 1st. So that is so awesome. I am most definitely going to try and find my way to a game. Um, I'm sure the tickets are going to be through the fucking roof, at least for the first couple of weeks, uh, maybe for a long while. But I got to see what's up. I'm going to make my way there. I am going to find a way to get to a Yankees game because we have got to go. And I have to still, I still, I really want to get to an MSG game. If the Knicks can, can make the playoffs this year and it looks pretty promising right now, I have got to make a way to MSG and hopefully they can start opening up more and more. The outdoor arenas are a little bit different, but hopefully MSG, you know, can get some kind of bigger crowd, a legit crowd, not 2000 people for the playoffs if the Knicks are to officially um, get in there. I believe their magic number, the Knicks, is one to make the play-in tournament. To have officially sealed that. But obviously we're trying for better. The Knicks are actually closer to number three than they are number eight, which is awesome. So they're they're currently number four alone. But with the Bucks loss... Um, Tonight, the Knicks are now closer to number three than they are fucking number fucking eight. And, and you know that's big if you've been paying attention because the East has been tight, so knotted all year. Like, you've been, you lose one game, you could drop so, you could drop a few spots. So, it's good to have at least some kind of separation now from other teams. You know, obviously, Charlotte has taken a dip with the injuries they've taken on. Um, some other teams have fallen out of the picture. The Bulls, you know, we just beat them. So it's going to be an interesting ride the rest of the way. But nothing is official yet. So we got to keep pushing. This, this Knicks team has not made the playoffs in eight years. So I, you know, we're always going to have that PTSD. <laughs> so until we see it, we will not believe it, right? All right, so happy May 1st. Um, the number of years, I don't know how many... It's the, it's the, isn't the anniversary or is that May 1st? Is that later? May 1st at night when uh, Bin Laden was murdered. That was awesome. Best news of my, it was such a great night. My mom came in the room, told me Osama was killed. Yes. I think it was the night of May 1st heading into like May 2nd. Yeah. I got to remember what year. I should know the year, but I, it was a fucking... Nah, I'm not even going to guess. I'm going to embarrass myself if I start guessing. Um, Let's get it. 2019. We'll be right back. Let's get to the plug. Hey, fellas. So, really quick, before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media, even... You can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. I hope it's like... I gotta figure out what the deal is to get into Yankee Stadium. I know you have to get... Either you have to have the vaccine, which I don't plan on getting unless I need to. Um, or you can also get the negative test within a certain amount of hours. I don't know how it works. I have to figure out how that actually works. Like, do you have to schedule it and you have to be there at a certain time? You have to do it there? I don't, I don't, you have to have a card. I have to figure out how, how all that works, but I am definitely getting to a game. Um... Let's get to game one of this Knicks team. Well, first of all, before we even get into the um, the game, the Knicks signed 25-year-old, I'm going to butcher his name. Um, we'll call him Luca, but his last name is, he's Luca Vildoza from Spain. Um, they, they signed him, you know, to fill out that extra roster, excuse me, that extra roster spot. 
Uh, he's a point guard, 25-year-old point guard from Spain. Um, I was reading a little bit about him in in a blog, a Knicks blog. Uh, I'm fan-sided, so what I'm about to say here, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to give credit to Adam Kester, who wrote this article. Wrote a very good piece I was reading. Just, you know, learning a little bit about this Luka kid. Um, the Knicks have the best Luka in the NBA. Say what? Um, so, from what I read, um, Kester... Hopefully I said his name right. Sorry, man, if I didn't. Uh, but Adam was writing. Uh, he wrote a good piece saying that this kid, lots to prove. Um, but the reports are saying that this is another shrewd move by the Nick front office. Um, a three-level scorer, you know, a, a tough shot maker. He's got pretty fancy footwork. Um, he's pretty crafty at getting to the rim with his dribbles and hesitations. Um, he's got a knack for finding space and creating space to make his own shot. That's what I read on him. I read that, you know, and, and the Knicks like guys like that. You know, they like guys like guys who can create their own shot. That's why they've got quickly in their backcourt. They've got Derrick Rose with him in their backcourt. Um, this is somebody who shot 39% from long range in the Euro league this year. Um, a lot of those shots came off the dribble, but he can also slide up and play off the ball as well with the two. So, yeah, he's a half-court point guard. You know, slower pace to his game, so he fits the Knicks' system. Thibodeau likes to run that half-court game. Um, a strong build, you know, but probably won't play much as the 15th man, but we will see. But those are some of the things I read in the, the fan-sided article by Adam Kester. Um, yeah, I got I to gotta figure out more on this kid. I, really, I didn't really do a ton of research on him, but, yeah, it was... Uh, Kind of out of, out of nowhere. I don't think anybody expected this. No, I hope he's not. You know, I, I can't say that he'll be our point guard of the future. We're still looking for that. Hopefully we can. I want to I wanna swing a deal here in the summer for Lonzo. And I think everybody wants Lonzo. He makes too much sense to not go after. I think the, the question is just going to come down to how much will he be willing to take off the top to come to New York. Um, but that's going to be Worldwide West's job. Stout's job. And, you know, Rose and Perry are going to have to do their magic, too. And, you know, behind the scenes with LeVar. <laughs> All right, so Knicks Suns. Uh, the other night, the Knicks took on the Suns. The Knicks picked up the victory. Uh, no, the Suns defeated the Knicks. The Suns picked up the victory. The Knicks lost 118 to 110. And obviously, the win streak snapped at nine. Knicks could not get it to 10. Uh, the Utah Jazz have the largest win streak still. With 11, and, you know, I think it's official. Unless the Knicks go on a last-minute run here and win the 12 games they've got remaining, that, that'll that be that. Um, yeah. It was a good battle. It was a 48-minute battle. The entire night was pretty tight. Um, but ultimately, it was Devin Booker's 33 points, uh, Bridges, his 21 points, and, and Chris Paul with 20 you know, hitting the series of daggers there at the friggin' end of this one. Um, Jesus. Would have been a good game for Frank Nilakina, being you had all these guards going off, and he's their best guard defender. Um, didn't get a minute, but, you know, that Julius Randle, uh, RJ Barrett, they struggled. <clears throat> they combined together, they shot 37%. And neither of them cracked 20 points. So it's good though that like scoring under 20 points now for RJ Barrett is considered an off night. <clears throat> That's a good thing. Even for Julius, who was averaging what, 17 or 18, maybe 19 last year? No, I think it was 90.9. But still, like when they're under 20 points, that just shows how much they've developed this season. Uh, it was Derrick Rose and it was Reggie Bullock who were great against the uh, Phoenix Suns. Rose had 22 points, 9 for 18 shooting, and you had Reggie Bullock, 17 points, 6 for 11 shooting, and connecting on four triples. Uh, the Knicks were on fire to start. You had R.J. Barrett, um, Nerlens Noel, helping them crack double figures for a couple of baskets apiece, not even two minutes into the game. Uh, you had R.J. with the pull-up catch-and-shoot three on the move. From the left corner. Then you had Noel with the steal and slam 
to put the Knicks up 10 to 3, you know, at like the 10 15 mark in the first. Um, then the Knicks went up by as many as 15 points at one point. Um, they finished the quarter shooting 70%. They were on fire. You had Bullock torching it from distance as the Suns were just very slow closing out. Uh, so Reggie canned three of his four triples in the first period alone. Um, you had Alfred Payton exploring the rim, you know, exploring the paint out there, distributing, playing aggressively, and pressing Chris Paul with some really aggressive full-court defense. Uh, but ultimately, in that first quarter, it was Booker who was just too tough to contain, um, especially in the mid-range area. Uh, the mid-range area was his... That's that's his bread and butter, and he was doing it all night against the Knicks, but he scores 12 points there out of the gate. Um, and the Knicks, you know, after the first quarter, up just seven after being up 15 about midway through. Uh, but they go into the second up seven, and then the bench unit kind of gets hot. You had Rose initiating as the floor general, some beautiful lead passes to Obi and RJ, um, a really nice kick-out pass to RJ on the drive. Um, you had Emmanuel quickly pulling up from a different friggin' district. Um, so the Knicks were getting going with that second unit there. But again, it was Booker a bit too much, and he finished the first half with 20 points. Um, the Knicks failing to extend that seven-point lead from the first, and they went into the half with the same amount of separation between them as they had in the first quarter. Um, so... Second half came, and the Knicks had a lot of defensive issues. Uh, the offense kind of hit a wall. And, you know, Randall did score 10 points in the third quarter, but he was kind of forcing some shots. He needed nine field goals to get the points. And Rose, the only Nick with the knack in the fourth, gave his best efforts. He had that nice left-handed take out of the pick-and-roll with Taj there. Um, he had the cutting finish on the break there with IQ in the fourth. Uh, you know, they were they were running the transition game together. That brought the Knicks within one. But all, again, the Knicks just couldn't get stops, and the Suns, you know, pushed out a big run, and they were up one eleven to one hundred two with about three and a half minutes or something left, and it looked pretty grim. Uh, but we managed to pull off one more run. You had Randall making big plays all over the court. You know, he hit up Bullock for a three-pointer late. Then he found RJ for a driving layup. And then RJ found Randall for a three. So that all pulled the Knicks within three points with a minute left in this one. And then you get Chris Paul making his presence known, being that veteran, hell-bent on ending that win streak for the Knicks. And boy, did he. Um, it was that one shot in particular that was the dagger through the fucking heart. Um, you know, the shot clock winding down. He fades for a free throw line jumper and he sinks it to put the Suns up five points with about 40 something seconds left. And that was basically all she wrote. Uh, the Knicks were not able to come back from there. So, a very tough loss. It was one I wanted, you know, playing a tough Western Conference team who you're going to see again in a few weeks. Um, maybe sooner than that. Uh, you're going to see on this West Coast trip. There's a six game West Coast trip we've got coming up. So, you're going to see Phoenix again out in Arizona. Um, that was it. So if you look at it, you know, the starters, uh, Alfred Payton, point guard, seven points in 15 minutes, three for four shooting, four rebounds, three assists. He wasn't terrible. He was, you know, he did a nice job playmaking. Uh, he was looking to get guys involved and, you know, he was attacking the open lanes and this is when Alfred Payton is at his best, right? When he's doing things like that. Um, but unfortunately, those performances are far and few between. And, you know, they, they, they just don't happen enough. I'm sorry, right? We, we say it all. They just don't happen enough. So if you see him have a great night like this or a solid night like this, don't be the guy who says, well, I just wish he could do it more. That'd be nice if he could. And maybe he should. Maybe we should, you know, don't be the guy who says, oh, I, I, you know, maybe if he does this more, he'll be a good piece of this. Because he's not going to do it more. He's going to do this every once in a while. And he'll make you, I don't know who's falling for it at this point, because this is who he's been his entire career. He's, you know, he's a pretty mediocre starting point card who's going to have, you know, a, a, what they say, a blind squirrel finds the nut every once in a while. Well, that's what that is. 
you know? I'm not not to not to hate on him further, but that's how it works with Alfred Payton. And you, you, people keep buying in whenever he has a decent game. He scored seven points in 15 minutes. But he was good. He was good. He was playmaking, and when he's playmaking and not shooting, you know, contested floaters, that's when he's at his best. Um, Reggie Bullock, shooting guard, 12 points in the first quarter. Then he kind of cooled off with only five points the rest of the way through. Had some foul trouble, you know, had to let up on Booker a bit because of the foul trouble. Booker was getting everything he wanted. Um, and then Reggie didn't play much in the second half. He was kind of limited for some reason, but he had that brutal turnover late, throwing away that inbound pass that was almost rough. Um, but all in all, he was pretty fine. You know, he cracked double figures again, and he shot the ball efficiently. Some nice playmaking again, and he played good defense. Uh, R.J. Barrett at the at the um, at the wing, seventeen points. Did not shoot great. You know, the jumper was not really there. He wasn't really getting to the line. He had zero free throw attempts. Um, wasn't getting to the line at all with zero. Uh. But yeah, he, he was, you know, it was either a spot-up three-pointer or it was a take-to-the-hoop-in-traffic. And none, none of those shots were falling. Um, so, he saw a lot of first-half minutes with uh, Reggie out in foul trouble. And he finished the night overall with 45 total minutes. Um, that's Tom Thibodeau, baby. Um, yeah, and he didn't really get hot. There was no second half RJ, really. He just, you know, it wasn't his night. Uh, Julius, 18, 6, and 4. Another, you know, Nick who didn't really shoot the ball great. Um, but for a bad night, you'll take that. Again, even on bad nights, these guys are still producing credible numbers, Barrett and Randall. But um, he had a decent third quarter, Julius did. But again, the efficiency was never really there at any moment. Um Kind of making some slow reads on those doubles, and the shot was just not dropping on it. And, um, you know, it didn't help that you had Bullock on the bench a lot. Kind of limited the spacing. So keep that in mind. Um, you go to the five position. You've got Noel and Taj. Um, Noel had an off night. He was pretty underwhelming. He had four points, three rebounds, and no blocks. That's right, no blocks. He wasn't the same. Just not much to say there. He didn't really have an impact. The Suns were mainly shooting three-pointers and mid-range looks. So, didn't really have much to do. Taj Gibson was good. You know, he had eight points. Four for four shooting in 20 minutes. Um, the usual for him. You know, he was good. He was overliable. That's who Taj Gibson is. Um, gives you offense when he needs it. When the team needs it. Um, he, he hit a mid-range shot. He put the ball on the floor. Again, it's always good to see him do that. Uh, he worked the glass pretty well. You know, screen setting. He was good. Obi Toppin, three for five, six points, three boards. Played good with Rose on the floor, man. Um, not his greatest performance, though, overall. Struggled defensively. Uh, the bench, uh, you know, the guard play off the bench was, that was the reason the Knicks were in this game. It was Derrick Rose. He was great. He was fantastic. It was a nice throwback matchup with Rose versus CP. You know, two vets. That was fun to see. Uh, Rose ends up with 22-6-6 six six across 33 minutes. Uh, he was playmaking in the full court game. He was playmaking in the half court. You know, so he had the outlets working, but he also had the kickouts on the drive. So, saw some nice one-on-one -on -one play. You know, some razzle-dazzle, breaking down defenders in isolation off the dribble. So it was a good game for Rose. He, you know, he was, obviously he was extremely sharp in that second quarter. Um, and then again, the fourth quarter, he was kind of the only Nick who had it going. Um, so, good game for him. Again, coexisting with Obi. I really want to see those two share the floor together. They really open up a lot for each other. We really need to see that a bit more. Manuel quickly. 11 points, 3 rebounds, 4 assists. So I loved the shooting. I loved the floaters, of course. But it's the playmaking that continues to stand out lately and impress me. Another game where he's got a decent amount of assists. He was finding cutters for lobs when the bigs were stepping into his floaters. He'd throw it up for them. 
And, you know, my cousin always mentions that. Well, he mentioned that to me a couple of months ago, how he liked how when Obi, when IQ throws that, that floater up, he can also use that as a lob too, because he's pretty accurate when he throws it up there. So when big step into him, he can hit up the cutters. So, yeah, I want to point that out. Cousin was calling that. So it was good to see him use that. Um, yeah, and he, you know, and IQ was, he's always been good at picking his spots. Uh, but now to see him using that space to not only create for himself, but he can create for his guys now, it's nice to see. You know, it, it's, again, it's going to be a big development. IQ as a pastor. You know, where does that go? How far can he go? Is he a point guard? Is he a shooting guard? Is he a combo? You know, there's that whole question that's been floating around his name ever since he's been in, in college, really. Um, so, keep an eye on that. You know, Knicks had some tough fouls in this one. Phoenix just got the best out of them. Booker was getting his way with Reggie Bullock. Um kind of had to play him conservatively at times. And when Tibbs did adjust on Booker, the Suns had their role players step up. So all in all, just a tough loss, but a competitive game. You know, the Knicks, wait, they, they, you know, they had nine wins, nine wins in a row. At one point it was going to end. And so, you know, if not the Suns, you know, when would have that been? I don't know. I mean, yeah, yeah, if, I guess what I'm trying to say is if there was one team who was going to end that streak, pretty soon or if there was one team who's who was to end that streak i don't have a problem with the suns being the team because i would not want to lose to a bulls team who we are better than i would not want to lose to a rockets team who have they even won a game this year i mean come on and so um and again the importance of that nine game win streak i, I can't stress that enough because you know as we head on this west coast trip now where we play all these top-notch squads, that nine-game win streak gave us some padding, right? We are 35 and 28, I believe. So, you know, if we struggle, it sucks, but we it could be way worse had we not been on that nine-game win streak. That was so fucking crucial. So now we don't have to worry as much about struggling or being up and down on this West Coast trip. But... That was the Suns game. So we're going to head to break and we'll start talking about this game against the Chicago Bulls, which was a couple nights ago. I think it was on a, uh, was it Wednesday night? So we'll discuss that when we get back. BRB. Hey fellas, so really quick before we get back into the show, I do want to remind you that if you haven't yet subscribed to this podcast or subscribed to my blog or followed me on social media even, you can do all that by going to my link tree. Just go to linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. That is linktr.ee slash rjcarbone. Guys, thanks so much. Let's get back to the show. <clears throat> so, that was the Suns. 113-94 victory over the Bulls to complete the six-game homestand 5-1. and one. Not too bad. Uh, obviously, the Bulls were without Zach Levine, so keep that in mind. But the Knicks were without a lot of players, too. Alec Burks, Mitchell Robinson, so um, no excuses. And it was a very physical battle, uh, but the Knicks pulled away. They started out really hot. They had an 18-point first-half lead, um, but there were a lot of runs in this one where Chicago would just cut into our leads, and they even took a one-point lead in the third quarter, but the Knicks eventually stepped on the pedal. That's when IQ went off in the fourth for 11 points in the first half of that fourth quarter. He was just electric, and the Knicks picked up the victory. Again, I'm, I'm hoping to keep this one short. I really don't want to go over these notes too much. Um, so, 
RJ Barrett, Julius Randle, after struggling against Phoenix, bounce back and they put the finishing touches on this game and they each have really strong performances. Julius Randle, 34 points, 7 rebounds, 3 assists, 12 for 23 field goals, 4 for uh, four for 7 three-point shooting, 6 for 6 free throw shooting. The Knicks now 10-2 and two when Julius scores 30 points or more. Give him the ball. <laughs> He's a force offensively, man. I mean, he was just drilling tough shot after tough shot after tough shot consistently in this game. Long two-pointers, that step-back three that he's fell in that he's fallen in love with, hitting that a couple times. Um, fallbacks, you know, just that one strong-ass left-handed take for the end one at the end there, that was gorgeous to get him the 30-piece. Oh, man. Just some really, really impressive shots he was connecting on. Um, you know, Chicago tried their best. They tried sending multiple doubles on him, but it did not matter. He was determined. He was scoring the ball no matter what. You know, lately he's been taking, you know, lesser quality shots, um, but they've been falling. So you score 34 points, you shoot over 50%. I've got no complaints. Um, hell of a year for this guy, man. You know, he's in the MVP conversation, or he should be, at least in the top 10. Um, I'm not saying he should win it. I do not think he should win it. And if he does win it, it's a joke, but he should be in the conversation. Um... He's an all-star. He should he should make the NBA, um, the All-NBA third team. I think that needs to be a given if we're talking about things like accolades and stuff. But, I mean, where would they be without Julius, man? The He's so much improved this year between his quicker decision-making, right? He's no longer doing those ridiculous spin moves every time he catches the ball in the post or every time he crosses half court when he's playing point forward. He's not just going to that Giannis spin, but he's being smarter. He's making quicker decisions. He's again, he's reading the double teams more. He is the conditioning. His conditioning has improved. I mean, he's able to run the floor for 40, 45 minutes a night sometimes, and he's still putting up production with, you know, less than two weeks left of games in the season. Just and the defense has been average at least. You know, he's been really good, man. So much to a point where Knicks fans are talking about throwing this guy the bag. And I, I have been all year. After that, you know, after the Knicks get him for what is it, a four million dollar pickup next year? Pick up the option. If he keeps it up, you extend him sometime mid season. I mean what do you do? You can't not. You're just gonna let him walk like that? There's nobody out there in the market. I, I think you're forced to. We're going to get to that. We, we've talked about that enough. But we'll talk about that when the season is over, obviously. But, man, where would they be without his 24, 11, and 6? You know, he's shooting 46% from the floor. He's shooting 42% from... It's the shooting that I'm really impressed with. It's the, the over 80% of the line, but it's the three-point shooting at 42% on like two and a half makes a game. And his mid-range game has just been impeccable. It's flawless. I mean, when he's on, he does not miss the mid-range shot. From the elbow, from the top of the key, from the baseline, those turnarounds... Oh my gosh, he is a monster. He's a master in the mid-range. He has some triple threat game now. I mean, at times, it's like you're watching Carmelo out there. It really is. The jab steps he uses at times, it's 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 a versatile thing he's got going on. A three-level threat. He's a three-level scoring threat. And he's distributing. He's a leader. He's become a leader. He's not just a, a, a stat patter. Who doesn't make the winning plays? No, he makes winning plays now. He's become a leader. You know, he we he's, he's talked about it on the Woj Pod, but he's you know he wrote that article in the uh, the Players Tribune about how he took it upon himself to to be the guy in New York. And you got to be proud of his development. You got to be proud of of everything he's gone through. And I was I was his biggest fucking critic, man. I wanted this guy out of town. If it took a bag of chips to get in return, I'd do it. That's what I was saying in the summer. So I feel so hypocritical to like be on this train now. I want to throw this guy the bag. But I'm not gonna I'm not gonna lie. 
I'm going to tell you the truth. He's been really good. He's proven me wrong. He has most definitely proven me wrong. And I'm happy to be wrong on him. And the crazy thing is, he's not really playing differently. Right? He's still on the ball a ton. He's still playing point forward. He's not... Some dust there. He's not... Um, what do you call it? He's not like running off the ball. Like I was saying last year, after seeing that disaster where he was just turning it over as the point guard or the point forward, whatever you want to call it, I was saying how he, he's much better off with a, a point guard. His game will, will rise to another level if he had a point guard who can control the duties and let Randall play most of his game off the ball where he's used as a roller and used, you know, touches the ball in the post only and only shoots threes, you know, spotting up in the corner. But he's not doing, he's, everything he's doing this year is off the dribble because the Knicks don't have a point guard. It's like nothing has been what I thought it would be to get this guy to optimize his talents. He's doing it the exact same way, but he's just doing it smarter, more sophisticated. Again, making quicker reads, quicker decisions with the ball in his hand. He's more conditioned in better shape. Outstanding. RJ Barrett, a nice bounce back. He had 22 points. He had 7 rebounds. He had 6 assists. He shot 9 for 15 from the floor. He was 3 for 5 from distance. He's now 39% from 3. On the year. If I told you RJ Barrett will be a smidge below 40% three point shooting back in, you know, December, you would fucking laugh at me when he was 18% on that 0 for 24 streak. I mean, shit. Yeah, guys, he's bowling. He was good. He had two steals. Um, he had that rough first half, you know, where he was kind of forcing some possessions, and he was beat backdoor a couple of times by uh, Lowry Markinen, and, you know, Thibodeau ripped into him. Um, clearly ripped into him. He called the timeout. He was ripping into him on the floor. Then he called the timeout, ripped into him some more, and it worked. I mean, RJ's that guy, right? He, he has such poise, so he uses that stuff as motivation, as you're supposed to with the coach who gets on you. Um, and, you know, I thought he was great. I loved his shot selection. You know, very impressive pull-up jumpers. Doing the pull-up with confidence the other night against Chicago. So, that was nice to see. He had that rare pull-up from three. Yeah, he drained a three-pointer, pulling up off the dribble. Um, that was a nice surprise. And he had Vucevic dropping off of him. And then um, RJ pulls up off the dribble from three. He knocks it down from the left corner. So, if he can add that to his arsenal... You know, add that to his development. And next year we get RJ not just spotting up, but pulling up. Oh man, that's a that's a 25 points per game score right there. That is. It's going to be interesting. Because once defenses... Uh, I'm surprised they haven't yet. Because defenses are still dropping off. And they're funneling to the middle when they see RJ spotting up for three. I don't get it. Because that's the only thing he can do from three right now. Is those spot ups near the corner. I'm surprised they aren't shading him off the line and, you know, playing him tighter. But eventually he's going to have to add that pull-up, but it was nice to see him hit that one against Chicago. Maybe we see it more going forward, you know? Um, but I thought his takes to the rim were much better. He was making much better rim reads this game than he was in Phoenix or against Phoenix. Um, so all in all, a nice job. I did a nice job leading the second unit, you know, he was playing with them in the second quarter a lot, and he played with them, obviously, in the final period. So, in Burks' absence, he's he's kind of been that guy. So, this kid's only 20 years old, man. He's only 20 freaking years old. You know, he's already a great number two at 20 years old. He's not 24 years old. He's not 25 years old. He's 20 years old. Put that into perspective. There's some context for you. So he was great. Uh, I thought Derrick Rose was off. He was due for an off night. He has been on fire, you know, digging into the fountain of youth. Um, but he was off, as was most of the bench, until, again, IQ stepped up late. But Rose, 6 points, 2 for 11 shooting. Um, still playmaking, and, and played some pretty solid defense, but most of his um, production came off, uh, you know, 
He had six assists versus zero turnovers, so that was good. So, you know, the playmaking, the defense kind of, you know, somewhat mitigated his offensive weaknesses that game. Uh, but again, it was IQ stepping up with that next man mentality in the fourth quarter. Um, you know, pulling up for the friggin' chase logo, hitting that runner before that shot. He drew a couple of fouls. He converted them at the line. Um, did a great job in the ball handling role um, since Rose was struggling. I thought Nerlens Noel and Taj Gibson were very good. Nice bounce back performance from Noel. Uh, there were forces on the inside. You had Noel, eight points, eight rebounds, four steals, five blocks. Defensive motherfucking player of the year candidate right here. I know, Rudy Gobert, I get it. But at least mention this guy. At least mention him too. Just like you need to mention Randall in the MVP combo. They don't have to win it. They shouldn't win it. But mention these guys. Give the Knicks some damn respect. They have the number one defense in the league. It's not that crazy to mention Noel in that combo. He was great. He was poking away some loose balls. Um, he was swatting you know, layups at the rim. He was setting the tone early. Gave Vucevic a tough time. You know, the Knicks threw traps at him, doubled him, thrown a lot of doubles at him. Um, I thought he was, they frustrated him with the foul trouble. I thought Noel was great. The help defense, as usual, was was great. So, he was good. Taj kind of had a reduced role because of Noel's brilliance. So, but he was still, you know, he was still productive. You know, hitting some bunnies from pick and rolls. Um, solid work on the glass. Nice job on tip-outs, screening, etc. Um, go back to the guards here. Alfred Payton, he was solid for a second night in a row. Nine points, five assists, a turnover across 22 minutes, so not bad. Um, some more playmaking, some good scoring mixed in there. Um, he had some crafty finishes, but overall, you know, he kind of struggled finishing on the inside uh, for the most part. He was four for ten. Um... But he found his teammates, though. You know, he opened up lanes, uh, opened up lanes for rim runners, and um, he was distributing nicely. And he even hit a three-point shot, so that was nice for a change. Um, Peyton was fine. Uh, Bullock, thirteen points, three for five sniping from downtown. The Knicks are now twenty-two and eight. They are twenty-two and eight when Reggie Bullock scores double figures. Feed him. That's an amazing stat to me. I, I And I had to double check. I went on basketball reference and double check because I first heard of that stat on MSG. I think Breen brought it up when, back when they were like 21 and 7 or whatever. Now they're 22 and 8. Yeah, that's, that's fucking impressive. Fucking, I mean, feed the guy. If you feed him, if he chucks up a million shots and he still scores 10 points, we, we're going to win the game, that means. Right? He was good though. He was again. He was second straight night where he was punishing weak closeouts, um, but he kept playing strong defense. He didn't shoot a ton. He only had eight attempts from the field overall. But again, you had Randall cooking, and um, you know IQ took over in that fourth. So didn't have many moments to get his looks. Just a fantastic bounce back win, man. That's it. I thought, you know, the turning point was in that first half where, again, Tom Thibodeau, you know, ripped into the Knicks and he turned into that. You know what he did? He turned into that, tr you know that, that meme, that picture of that, like, triggered kid in class where his veins are popping out, his fucking face. I got to know the context behind that, too. <laughs> but that was Thibodeau in the first half. And that, to me. That's that's the bit of all time, but that to me changed the um, kind of shifted the momentum of this game. I love Thibodeau, man. Going to give him a lot of shit for his rotations, but at the end of the day, he's got this team playing hard and winning basketball games. That's the, the most important part because the we've rode with that moral victory, play hard, shit forever, but now it's actually translating into results. So that's big. And that's all about accountability, baby. Accountability is something I've preached for how long, guys? How long have I been talking about we need a coach with who holds his players accountable? You know, I've been... Remember I got killed for that? I got killed for ripping into David Fisdale for 
being the opposite of somebody who holds his players accountable. He was a fake tough guy. He would pamper his guys like Aaron Boone does. He does not. He never held them accountable. He would talk. He he would talk like it, but he wouldn't walk that talk. But Thibodeau, yeah. So I don't want to hear your shit no more. I was right about Fizdale. And Thibodeau, I'm always right. I always say, you need a coach who gets on you. Look at the fucking Yankees. Why are they under 500? Why are they consistently losing? Because they're going to get back over 500. But why are they consistently losing in the playoffs? Well, they don't have a leader that pushes them. They're guy, these guys... You know, we talked about this. These guys are going out there. They're lazy. These Yankees players are entitled. They have an entitled mentality. They don't get pushed hard enough. They jog to first base. They jog around the bases. They, they're very unfocused defensively because their leader is very lackadaisical. And he talks to his players up. He, he, makes, he makes excuses for his players and these pressers. He's always saying how, oh, we're going to be fine. Oh, they're fine. He never, holds any, he never holds anyone accountable. Fuck that. I want a fucking guy like Thibodeau coaching the fucking Yankees. He needs to be the manager of the Yankees. He's great, man. He's great. He takes no bullshit. He's the opposite of Aaron fucking Boone. He is. He holds these guys accountable. That's what you want from a professional coach. You want somebody who holds them accountable. You want somebody who says, you're not going to try? Get the fuck off my court. If you're not going to give an effort... You need to get the hell off the court. And if you're going to give your all, you will play. That's Tom Thibodeau. I love it. I love it. You know, so back when I wanted Fizdale fired, people were like, oh, you just keep, you know, I just spit. You, you can't just, can't just fucking keep changing coaches, RJ. You can't just keep changing coaches. Really? So you just want to keep a coach just because you don't want to get a new one? So just because we've had bad coaches in the past, you want to keep the next bad coach just because you don't want to continue that pattern? And we have Thibodeau now, and he looks like a great coach. Was he here for five years? Looking promising right now. Hey, if we're going to talk accolades, coach of the year. Right? Am I wrong? I don't care if the Knicks are, you know, 50 and 20. They're 35 and 28. They were a 22 win last year. They had 22 wins. This year, they've got 35 with 12 games remaining in a shortened season. So what? If you add 10 to that, that's that's 45? I mean, shit. <laughs> I don't know if that's how it works. But good. It's been fun. Uh, the Knicks now 5-1 and one without Alec Burks. Uh, but they will have him for this upcoming West Coast trip. Let's get it. Let's get it. How they're going to work him back into the rotation now that everybody's playing really well, I don't know. But um, he is back. Back from COVID protocol. And I want to look up this West Coast trip schedule. And I want to see... I don't like to play this game, but... For the hell of it, we'll wrap up the podcast by playing this game. See what we can do. So we've got the Rockets. We're going to say they win that one tomorrow uh, on Sunday night. 1-0. The Grizzlies is a winnable game. I'm going to say they take the Grizzlies game. 2-0. I'm going to say they lose to the Nuggets. I'm going to say they lose to the Suns. I'm going to say they lose to the Clippers and they lose to the Lakers. I'm trying to be conservative here. So two and four. All right. All right. I mean, that's, that, that's, that's worst case scenario, in my opinion. That's worst case scenario. But if they can take one of the Nuggets, Clippers, Suns, Lakers, one or two of those would be fucking fantastic. If you were to, you know, grab the Grizzlies and Rockets games. So out of these one, two, three, four. Okay, so let's see. One, two, three, four, five, six. It's a six-game West Coast trip. 
Yeah, two and four. I don't know. I just feel like it's going to be tough. But I've said that I've been underestimating this team all year. I will take three and three. You should take three and three. If we can get out of there three and three, great. If we get out of there two and four, what does that make us? 35 and 28 right now. 28 plus four. 39, 33, 132. Okay, 36 and 32. I mean, we have a really good shot. Again, our magic number to just get into the play-in is one win. Um, I have to see where we are in terms of making the playoffs. You know, I have to have a top six seed. But yeah, if we can go three and three, that's my ideal plan here. That will be difficult. Um, if we go two and four, mm, I don't prefer it. I do not prefer. I do not want that to happen. But would it be the worst in the world? See, I'm very, I'm very superstitious. So if I, I, I refuse to say that I'll accept two and four because I feel like after if I say that it's gotta fucking happen and I don't want it to fucking happen. So I'm gonna say um, three and three, no less. Wink, wink. All right. But let's see what's up. All right, so that's it. Let's let's head to our last break here, and when we get back from the break, we'll get into the NYY NYK question of the day, and we'll wrap it up. All right, so we talked Yankees in 239. And so um, our question of the day, our NYY, NYK question of the day for episode 239. Which Yankee is the only player in MLB history to Grand Slam in Game 7 of a World Series? That was the question. It was which Yankee is the only player in MLB history to Grand Slam in a Game 7 of a World Series. The answer to that question, Bill Scourin. Bill Moose Scourin. The only player in MLB history to Grand Slam in a Game 7 of a World Series. Played for the Yankees back then. I think he went on to be a coach of the White Sox. Well, you know, Coach off the bench for the White Sox. Bench coach. But, um, yeah. He was, something, he was affiliated with Chicago somehow. But that was the answer to 239's NYYMIK question of the day. Bill Moose Scourin. This episode, episode 240, our NYYNYK question of the day. Which Nick famously limped onto the court and played injured in Game 7 of the 1970 Finals? Alright, some title questions. Which Nick famously limped onto the court and played injured during Game 7 of the 1970 NBA Finals? Who was it? This is an easy one, but if you know it, you know it. Um, so that's, that's episode 240. That's all we've got. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. If you did, be sure to leave us a thumbs up on YouTube if you're watching us there. Or give us a 5-star rating on Apple Podcasts. Or share this podcast if you have. If you did like it. If you have listened to it and you hated it. Well, leave us a comment and tell, you why it's, tell, me, tell me why it sucked. Download it. Share it. Like it. Rate it. All that fun stuff. Hope you guys enjoyed the episode. This is... RJ Carbone, your host of BD4. And I think that's all I've got for this one. Trying to think if we have anything else to add, but I'm pretty sure we said what we needed to say. The Knicks, a resilient team. The nine-game win streak, uh, it's it snapped. But the minute they see another team, they bounce right back at it. And back at one game. And we'll build from there. So, good to see. Good to see. Tom Thibodeau is king. 
And that's that. All right, guys. That's all I've got for this one. I will see you on Sunday in the podcast. Or Monday. I'll see you Monday morning when we're talking Yankees recapping the um, the Tigers series. But if you follow the blog, if you follow along there, well, I'll see you. You know, I'll see you every game, every day. We're talking Knicks in the blog. We're talking Yankees in the blog. So I'll see you there. Guys, thanks so much. Again, I'm your host, RJ Carbone, and I'm signing out. Ciao. This podcast is sponsored by Anchor.